right. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fashion School Dropout Podcast. Today I'm here with the international jewelry designer, Justine Cullen. And I have to say, I am such a huge fan of your jewelry and I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be with you today too. Thank you. So why don't you give the listeners a bit of information about yourself? Okay, well, um, uh, I'm a London-based jewelry designer, and I specialize in making very sort of limited edition collections, uh, mainly in silver, but I also work in gold, platinum, and diamonds for special uh, fine jewelry pieces. And um, I make everything by hand there, so it's a, it's a really special and unique process and a very traditional pr- trade, which I'm just so proud to be kind of a part of. Uh, something like that. Wow. So you make everything by hand and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I just want to start off with some basics. Have you always had an interest in the fashion industry or jewelry? Like what made you decide that you wanted to pursue a career designing jewelry? Um, It's kind of interesting. I think like since a really young age, I've just always loved, um, I've always loved fashion and Uh, Just that whole kind of um, industry that goes with it. It's very creative and very sort of um, lots of sort of fun and creative endeavors to be had there. When I used to visit my grandmother when I was really young, she had these amazing cases of like just really special bits of jewelry that she kept very pristine and in little boxes. And I was allowed to play dress up with them, but I had to be very careful and always put them back. And I think something about that is always stuck in my head. Um, But I wouldn't say I was always aiming to be a jewelry designer. It was honestly, it was not something I knew I ever was gonna have a skill set for. It kind of came as a really kind of happy surprise, let's say a happy accident. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that's sort of how, how that sort of transpired. Wow, so what made you decide to actually pursue this career path? Like well, when you say I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, actually. I, it wasn't something that um, that I was particularly aiming at. I needed a career change at that junction in my life. I had had a, a, a business with a best friend, Sarah, Sarah Fab, who went on to become an amazing makeup artist. And we had our company together previous to my company now, which we used to specialize in finding amazing designers and music, both in Europe and in LA. And we traveled between both places and we used to kind of take things from one place and bring them you know, back with us. So if I was in Amsterdam, we'd find amazing clothing designers and music and then bring it back to LA and kind of sell it in LA and then do it in reverse. Always like very independent designers and musicians. Um, so when we finished with that business, I really needed a career change. And I'll be honest with you, I have a real love of cakes. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I definitely love sweet things and I love to bake. So it kind of was like a toss up between, do I want to be like, I wanted to make cakes, but I didn't really know what that meant either. Just maybe some fancy cakes or jewelry. And my husband kind of, you know, gave me a look like really kind of puzzled look. I think he thought I was a little bit crazy. And I sort of turned to him and I said, is there even a job in jewelry? And I suppose that is, was the beginning of my curiosity with starting a career in that. Wow. So it was between desserts and jewelry. 
I didn't want to make everybody really unhealthy by feeding them too much cake. So I, I think I was trying to do something good, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I love it. Yeah, love me some cake too, some cupcakes. <laughs> I can bake you a good cake whenever you want, Brittany. Just I me. would love that. Can I put in an order for like a creme brulee or is it like? Sure. Well, <laughs> You're giving me a really complicated one as well. I, like, I do like a challenge. So yes, I can rise to that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I actually found your amazing jewelry line for one of my favorite showrooms here in LA called The Style Bar. And what I really love about your jewelry is it's so edgy, it's cool, like you have skulls, thunderbolts, suds. Let's get into your design process. Like what inspired that style? Because you're saying that, you know, you love the cake and dessert, which paints one image, but then you're, <laughs> I would have never thought that based on your designs. <laughs> like skulls and everything so what inspires you and how do you go about creating your amazing pieces um well I'd say that uh, it always it always seems to start for me it always starts with some kind of like story the inspiration always comes in the form of a story that just kind of sparks in my mind somehow like a little peak of interest and I really like things that have some kind of symbol of like either power or strength or protection. But I also like things that are slightly, you know, have a little bit of edge to them, maybe a little bit feistiness in there. So hence like the skulls and, and that kind of direction. But um, it's, it's sort of, I sort of have seem to have like a lot of like myth inspired uh, creative ideas when I'm designing. Um, like the Phoenix collection is very much revolving around that that kind of theme. So I would say it starts with a story. Sometimes I get really inspired by people watching as well. I just love sort of um, coming across sort of interesting people in all different sort of scenes while I'm traveling and or in the music scene. And it just kind of piques my interest and that might sort of spark a design as well. But I like a bit of a punk rock attitude, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. And it's like your signature style. I could always spot it and I'll say that's a just team piece. So that's how you know you have a strong brand identity. Oh, that's awesome, Brittany. Yeah. So I, for one, I went to design school. So I could tell you all about, you know, taking a clothing sample from sample to production and all of that. But I know absolutely nothing about the jewelry world so I'm so interested in this because I never even thought about the differences it might be between the jewelry industry or the clothing industry are are there any similarities or how is it in terms of um, production because you said you do them individually like do you do custom pieces or do you do a bunch of them bunch of same designs at the same time and then you know distribute like how does it work for you yeah, that is interesting, actually. There, there definitely is a parallel uh, to, you know, the way that you would create a clothing line to the way that you would do a jewelry line. And I, I do think it depends what end of the jewelry industry you're in. So if you're in the mass-produced um, sort of end of, of the business, it, things are a little bit different than how I might do them. Mm -hmm. But essentially, it's probably close to the same. So... I do the design, do the designing and the making. So those are sort of two different topics. 
um, which sort of starting with the design element and getting that to kind of look like it's going to sit right as an actual physical piece. And I think really that's probably the most tricky part is getting it from design stage into something that you can wear on your body because it has to fit and it has to be comfortable enough where the person wearing it hopefully doesn't really even notice that they have it on. Like that's what I always try to aim for that even if it's a big statement piece that maybe it's got uh, such, you know, that it's designed in a way that even though it might be really heavy and chunky, it, I always hope that it kind of doesn't disturb you while you're wearing it, you know, that kind of thing. So starting with the design and then moving from that point onward, I've over the years kind of, moved from just using very traditional jewelry techniques to incorporating lots of very modern jewelry techniques. And I've realized that it's just opened up this whole world of possibilities. So I work sometimes in sheets of metal, as in sterling silver uh, metal, or wire. If I'm doing like a big chunky chain, sometimes you've probably seen some of my things like that in the showroom where it's like a big, a big chain and I make all those links by hand out of big wire. But also, um, I do work in, um, in 3D uh, CAD as well to create some pieces. So we turn that into a special wax, and then you can go on and you can cast that into metal, into silver. Uh, and then from once you kind of get to that point where you have that initial cast done, you can turn that into a mold, which means that you can kind of reproduce from there. So you can maybe make just a few, but if you're a big company, then at that point, you would probably be able to, you know, push on and make a lot of them. So that's, that's sort of the, it's kind of like the clothing, the same sort of probably steps, but just in a slightly different process. Oh, it's so fascinating. So were you self-taught? Like, did you just pick up some supplies and say, I'm going to see what I can do with this? Or did you take classes or anything? Did you apprentices? I didn't really get the, um, the opportunity to do like the big sort of, um, you know, design school. I mean, I would have loved that, but at that point in my life, that just wasn't going to work. Right. I always kind of thought that was going to be like something like an obstacle for me. And, and, you know, it used to make me sort of not as confident, but actually I just kind of, I guess we all get there in our own, in our own way, you know, so one way or another, if you're determined, you'll kind of push through these obstacles. And I guess, you know, if you want something badly enough, you'll, you'll, you'll find the road to it. But yes, I, it, answer to your question, I did actually um, start with an adult education class. So it was kind of me, my wonderful teacher, Owen, my first teacher, he was so patient. And there was a lot of sort of uh, retirees in there that were looking for a hobby. And then there was me who secretly wanted a career, but was probably too embarrassed to admit it. And um, it was a lot of practice. That was once a week. And I had my son and he was a baby. So I was kind of, you know, my husband and we were all fitting, fitting our schedules in around each other. And that's kind of where I started from. So, you know, that once a week really inspired me. And my husband built me a, a space in our uh, garage with a little workbench. And when my son would be asleep, I would just practice and practice and, you know, make an almighty mess. And some of it was good and some of it was not great. And um, learning that skill set was the, you know, that was super challenging, has, has been and probably always will be to like progress further. Well, you seem to be pretty good at it, I must say. 
<laughs> and that's so great that you had a supportive family and husband there to support you while you pursued this dream. Because I can't imagine it was easy at all to decide that switching careers. Yeah, it was not easy. But yeah, no, I'm really blessed with the support side. My my husband and my son and my mom, and my dad and stepdad, all like my all my family surrounding me has, has always been like really, you know, very rooting for me to pursue this dream. And I just love it. I love dressing people up. I can't think of anything more exciting than that. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, I could definitely relate to that too, because when it comes to styling, I feel like people, well, not people, but stylists sometimes tend to think of jewelry as an afterthought, but sometimes I love creating an outfit based on the jewelry. Like you said, a statement piece and you create an outfit around that and it could make or break an outfit really. I think the jewelry does. I love that. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah. So we talked about the creative side. Let's mm -hmm. get into some business talk. So how did you learn how to launch a business and handle the duties that came along with starting a business? Yeah, that's not easy, is it? That is difficult. Yeah. Um, I think like, you know, look, looking back at the journey that I've had so far just in my career life, I think I, I never really looked at it like this, but now, now I really do. I think I've always been an entrepreneur, always sort of had some kind of business that I'm doing, whether it was the previous one with uh, Sarah Fab, which was Forever and Beyond, where we did the clothing and the music. And before that, I, well, I was a horse trainer before that, actually. So I had like a whole, more layers to this stuff. <laughs> we'll get into that. That might have led to some of my jewelry fascination, actually. But, but, um, but I had started like a riding school when I was 17 and I had a bunch of students and taught them how to ride and, you know, help them as young teenagers, maybe bridge that awkward gap that we all have at that age. Uh, to get good at something. And I think the process of doing, you know, granted they were different businesses. So starting from the horses, which I, I'll be honest, I never ever in my life at that point, it's what I grew up doing. And it was the thing I was good at. I never really knew I would do anything else than that. I never imagined leaving that career behind. But when I moved to Amsterdam the first time, uh, when I was 22, when I moved there, I changed and I stopped with the horses and I discovered like the music scene and all these fashion designers. And that is really when my eyes opened to like a completely different world after growing up in California in Topanga, you know, up in the mountains there riding and then landing in this, you know, total amazing city of Amsterdam with all this creative influence everywhere. It, that was, that was kind of a life changer right there. And I moved on from my horse, career and business that I had, and then start setting up to be more in the creative world. But I, I really never knew that I would have anything creative I could do myself. I just loved celebrating all the artists I would meet. That was really my, that was my passion at that point. So I've kind of veered off that question, but I suppose back to it. I feel like all of your experiences have kind of led up to this moment. So I love hearing about how each of those, like being in Topanga and Amsterdam, have led you to become the creative person that you are today. Yeah, I think running a business, you know, it doesn't always work. But if I can say really one thing that I've 
that I've stuck true to, you know, you've got to have a lot of staying power and you've got to keep that confident side of your side self high and try to support yourself there because it is scary. I mean, look, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's, it's risky. It's uncomfortable. And it has moments of like, why am I doing this, you know, with business, but you know, I, if you plan, if you have a plan, that's the biggest lesson I've learned. The plan is key. You need that plan in place. I love that. And I always say that, and I completely agree with you that about entrepreneurship because a lot of people see on Instagram and they think it's this glamorous life and you're heading to meetings and all of this good stuff, but they don't see the grit behind it and the sacrifices that you had to do to get to that point. I agree with that. And you know, social media is such an interesting new adventure in these last amount of years. It's, it can give the sense of so many things and not all of them are true either. And I think it can, um, you know, sometimes it can make people not want to try things because they're scared because they see all this perfection around them, but there's no such thing as perfection. You know, actually the best things that will ever come, come from all those layers of, you know, embarrassment, mistakes, and the word no that has come your way. That is what's going to make you. No, definitely. And I always say Instagram is a highlight reel. So you're not getting the full picture on there. No, true. That's true. Yeah. So um, going back to business, have you ever encountered any obstacles on your road to success? Oh, God, yeah. I just be totally lying if I said it's just like a walk in the park. We want to be really honest about this. Yes. You know, though, I mean, it, it really is in a way it's all about the obstacles because without them, you can't learn, you can't better yourself. You can't grow in any way. I mean, if it was that easy and nothing ever happened, I don't know, like it would be fine, I guess, but it's all those hard times, you know, and, and that sort of fight that you have to have to, to grow that really makes, makes it a beautiful process. And it's not easy and no, it's not comfortable all the time, but when it works, it's that kind of moment, isn't it? I'm sure you feel like that too. Absolutely. No, definitely. Um, you see all the time, even on going back to social media, like mm -hmm. you see that some people, they show the struggle part, but not always. And I actually yeah. wanted to, I've been asking everybody about this. How has social media affected your business um, as far as um, getting clients or has it been a crucial part of your marketing plan or not so much? That's, that is an interesting question. It, social media is, it's a really useful tool for business. And I do think it's necessary. And I do think it's an amazing way to really be able to reach out to people as well and people to be able to reach out to you. I love that about, I love that about social media. It makes, it makes the connection making really interesting. And, you know, you just never know who you're going to be able to meet on there and they can see you visibly as a business and maybe you can connect uh, for creative projects and stuff. I would say as well, it has its negative side and it's something I've become very conscious about kind of really 
making sure that I'm balanced enough to, to be a designer as well, because I need that headspace to be able to make collections. And sometimes the world of like all that communication can get so tiring. I know I'm not alone on that, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of counteract it with, with lots of other things in my life, especially a lot of exercise and yoga and things like that, just to kind of give me some, uh, you know, me time, I guess, uh, it's very important, but yeah, I do think, I think it's an essential tool these days. And I think it, it has helped with business and I love it for the fact that it gives an amazing platform to really showcase all the work, you know, so all the collections can go up on there and be seen all around the world. Kind of, you know, you can really reach out so far on there. And you know what's so funny, I think, um, about social media is people think if you don't post it, like, it didn't happen. Yeah, I know. Well, there is that, too. Or, like, if you're late on the post, you know, maybe you've been you're having too much fun. That's what I always think. I was like, oh, I've had too much fun to even put it up. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> the best moments, like, never get posted because you're in the in the moment actually living through it you know what that's true and i sometimes just completely forget about the pictures as well it's like I, it's like only knows it happened if you were with me i suppose but <laughs> whatever you know yeah i always thought that was so funny like people think you know you're not doing anything if it's not think <laughs> <laughs> actually i've noticed that too i do think that's funny as well it's very much flat these days i mean especially the younger generations coming up you know now uh, and growing up into all this and never knowing any difference without the media stuff. And it's an interesting time. I do think there's like uh, some dangers as well that I, you know, like just mental health issues that go with social media. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm conscious of it. And, you know, I hope to be inspiring on social media so that it's a, a nice view. Sometimes social media can just be so overwhelming for people in general, all ages. You know, especially the youngsters, I think. Agreed. No, totally agree. Like, like we mentioned earlier, like everyone's painting this image and mm-hmm. people are comparing themselves to something yeah. quite real. It's true. You know, it really is true. It's, it's a strange world. It's like you exist in one space, but you also exist in the real world space. Maybe eventually we're just going to ex- ex- exist virtually. Maybe I could turn into a unicorn version or something. I don't know. I could like just have one of those little, I don't even know what they're called. I'm not cool enough. (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of virtual something, animal or something. I don't know. You're very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Brittany. You're very kind. (sighs) So what's something that would um, surprise us about your job and your responsibilities as a jewelry designer? That's an interesting question. Um, timekeeping is key. I, I think I'm, I'm, let's see, what would surprise you about my, my job? Well, I think that the, the, the thing that, uh, is the thing I have to keep the most track of is that I constantly have a lot of balls in the air, even if nobody knows it. I have a lot of projects on the go. A lot of them are like, you know, secret because they're for somebody special and I can't, you know, it's like a surprise for a partner or whatever. And I think that's probably one of my favorite things about my job is that I've got, you know, a lot of private clients that become like part of my jewelry family. And I really like that. I really get to know them and, and their likes of, you know, 
what, what they'd like me to create for their significant other sometimes, or maybe for them. I've got a lot of people that just like treats, you know, and uh, it's a personal adventure for them. So it's a lot of relationship building, you would say. Yeah, I would. And I, I just, I'm such a people person. I think it's kind of my perfect positioning, really. I just really like making people happy. And I think that sparkly things are good for that. <laughs> we love sparkly. I know. See, it could have been on cake. It could have been like sparkly frosting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Back to the you gotta, you gotta bring it in somehow. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. So I kind of want to get back to the logistics of running an international accessory line for a bit. Okay. Something any artist, whether it's jewelry or a clothing designer, need to know about doing business internationally because um, we don't really think about customs and stuff like yeah. that. Right. So I, I actually first learned about this with my previous business, uh, the music one, when we were doing a lot of importing and exporting, especially of vinyl. That's what we were doing the most of. Uh, and I learned about how to use freight forwarders, which is like a company that can take a big bulk of items and put it, ship it for you and send it through customs at a good price. And they kind of handle that transaction. So that was that like if you were doing clothing, maybe that might be a relevant direction that you would work with like a freight forwarding company for per country. But for the world that I'm in, it's a little bit different. And I would say whatever you're doing, if you if you want to have, um, you know, fashion or accessories going internationally, depending where you want to go and where you where you want to target on, you need to first start to really research that market first before you do anything else and see where you might find your, your niche in there somewhere or where your placement might be best. You know, maybe you're a very small item and you just need one little outlet or maybe you're going more like big production and you're gonna have lots of outlets. So I'd say learning, learning the laws and regulations of where you'd be exporting to is very much key first. And then maybe traveling there and just getting a, idea of really what it's like there and really making sure that it's a good fit for you. Um, there's, there's really sort of lots of ways. I mean, there's trade shows, which, you know, depending what kind of end of the industry you're in, something like that could be helpful because it would introduce you to that audience um, effectively and give you, give you some connections and a way to get in. And I don't know about here because my brand is based in the UK, but there is so much support for businesses that want to export. In the UK, there is for sure. And I know there is here too. You can probably link up with like the Department of Trade here in, in Los Angeles, if you're LA based or whatever, wherever you are in the States and look for the Department of Trade. They should be able to provide you for free with some information and some support of how you would bring your brand to market in a different country. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing because, you know, like I said, I feel like a lot of people, they're doing business domestically and they don't realize like, you know, you're sending packages from LA to Chicago or to New York, but it's a whole other beast to send something internationally. There's all these forms and processes yes. that you got to go through. It is complicated, but you know what? There's so much support. I mean, I've, this on the business side, you know, of of my business or a business, uh, there is a lot of support out there um, for business owners. 
especially like women in business, but also just men in business or small businesses. You can look at all those different topics and see where, where you might be able to gain some support. Like you can just probably start researching on the internet, but definitely like the Department of Trade if you want to go international. Um, I found them to be really useful because the thing is they want to see us successful. They want, you know, that small businesses make up like, you know, I can't remember the actual percentage, but they make up a huge percentage of revenue for, for the government, for the country. So they need us to keep functioning. And there's bits of funding going around in places as well for the arts and, you know, for just startup. And there's a lot of opportunity out there. You just have to start to, Figure out where you can find that. So research. Research. I do a lot of research. A huge portion of my job includes tons of research and connection making on the business side, especially. Mm -hmm. I mean, designing is great. That's like, you know, that's the other hat. The design hat is my favorite hat, but the business hat has to go with it. So, you know, that, that needs a lot of sort of attention to detail. Very important. You got to get yourself out there. Like you said, trade shows and just networking is super important in the fashion industry. It kind of also seems to me like the, the world of, of having like a booth at a trade show seems to be kind of changing lately. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it's like I, the last few years, it seems like the world of retail in general is just changing so much. Like the whole face of it is different than it was. It's not just about being in a shop anymore. There's so many different outlets and so many things online. And so, you know, trade shows are a huge expense and I'd say they can be risky for small businesses as well. So maybe uh, that's another thing that can be looked into because sometimes they do offer bits of funding for things like that, for startup businesses, especially startup brands to help them get out there. It's just other avenues that maybe you can check into to see if there's more support to help get off the ground. Are there any specific trade shows that you would recommend? Um, I haven't been to any shows in a few years, but I did go to Magic a few years ago, which is always the big one. Yeah, I mean, so previous company with Sarah, we did the Magic show with a line of bags that we had from the UK, and we just hit that market at the right time. I mean, it was so successful what we had. It was that first started that trend, it was in the 90s and those crossbody bags, like he was like one of the first on the market. And that show was amazing and we did so well, but I've visited that show since, so recently in the last three years, mm -hmm. and it had changed quite a bit. Still fun, but not quite as buzzy. Um, and I'm not sure after speaking to some vendors along the way in the last few years at various shows I've been to, how much they're feeling like they're getting uh, our, you know, return on their investment for the trade shows, or if it's too risky for their um, size of business, because obviously, you know, you got to balance so much up, haven't you, to keep the money coming in to grow your brand, but spend enough to be seen. So I, I don't know, it feels like things are kind of shifting at the moment. I don't know if trade shows are such a, an integral part these days, or maybe if people are coming up with new ways we have all these great pop-ups now don't we like people popping up all over the place and that seems to draw a lot of attention for brand awareness too yeah you do a few pop-ups too yeah i really love those they're really fun it's a great way to get to meet new customers or people maybe you've only met online and mm -hmm. they've shopped with you and then they can come in and they can kind of see everything in person and 
actually pick it up and hold it and look at it up close, which makes a big difference, especially with jewelry. I really do think it's a personal thing and you want to be able to try it on to make sure that, uh, you know, just to, just to really feel it, feel the weight of it and see the look of it. Yeah. And I love that being able to take the online experience and being able to just do it in person and connect with the people that you know love your product because you know, they, they came to support you. Yeah, it is special, actually. It's a good it's a good way to do it. So I do think that's a fun, a fun way for any brand to kind of uh, promote and get out there and, and meet their audience. It's, it's a fantastic uh, way forward. Yes. So you said something. Um, a few minutes ago that I wanted to touch on again, um, people tend to think that fashion is a female dominated industry, but honestly, I feel like it's a lot of men that make the big decisions as far as, you know, sometimes a um, corporate structure. How do you mm -hmm. handle yourself as a woman in a male dominated industry? Yeah, it's the, it is heavily male dominated probably in most industries, I think, you know, I think to be honest, I really, I, I don't tend to look at things as, uh, you know, being in a female within a male dominated industry. I, I really enjoy my male relationships in my industry just as much as my female. And they're very different actually, because men are very different than women, which actually is really nice because, you know, everybody's bringing some different kind of energy to the table with that. So um, I feel like it's, it, it's something to celebrate rather than for, you know, for me personally to feel overwhelmed by. I just enjoy all that sort of uh, different energy around me and definitely, you know, don't really kind of feel the pressure of being dominated by the male energy as such in that way. Yeah. So you're just confident in your own and you know what you bring to the table. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. And I, and I like sharing and I don't, I don't necessarily feel intimidated by that, that male influence. Um, and I think women bring amazing thing to the table too. So our energy, you know, has a different angle. And I think, you know, when we all can work together, it can really, it can really move things forward in an interesting direction. But you know, there, sometimes there is like a battle of wills, but that's just human nature. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the most important that, sorry, the most important lesson that you've learned um, starting your business? I would say that um, definitely it's, it's not about that one big opportunity, you know, that let's say so-and-so wears your item and then bam, that's it. You know, you're in, it's not, it's not about that. And, and I really think like the biggest lesson really is it's all those experiences that happen along the way. So like many things will happen. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be maybe bad. Some of it's going to be scary. And I think all of those different layers that is really, really what it's about. That is, that is the experience and that is what will drive you forward to becoming, uh, you know, maybe let's say a successful brand. Mm -hmm. And how do you define success? Like, has there been a moment in your career where you said, okay, like, 
I'm good. I've made it. Like <laughs> the aha moment. Yeah, I think I've had I've had some really beautiful moments like that, uh, for sure. Where you know I've I've worked on a project and I'm just like, wow, that that is just incredible. I can't even believe I've just finished that or I've just you know worked with those people and it's just all exciting. But I would hope that that just keeps keeps going because you know I think uh, there's there's many more of those moments to come. And I think you do hit on those moments that can get really like, wow, this is it. And then another, you know, will come and, and take you even higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a saying in the industry where they say you're only as good as your last at whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just said that it reminded me of that because, you know, as a creative, you think, okay, like I styled this celebrity or I got my pieces on this huge person at the Grammys or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I made it, but then you, it lasts for a while and then you just got to come back down to reality. Right. That thing that's going to keep you at that level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, those moments are so great. And I think those moments are there to show you that all that hard work and all that blood, sweat and tears you've put in, you know, you've got recognized and it's, and it's such a heartfelt, like beautiful moment. And, you know, but you know, you're going for the next one because you're not done creating, right? You've got to keep going forwards and I just have a head full of ideas. So I tend to kind of already be on the next uh, collection in my mind somewhere. Yes, it's never ending. That's, that's what keeps things fresh, though. Don't get comfortable. <laughs> no, I don't think there is any such thing, especially running a business. And it definitely is, you know, if you're have a if you if you have a creative business, um, but you're doing the business as well, so you're kind of wearing all the hats. You know, that's that's a full time busyness going on right there. That's a lot of hats to wear. Oh yeah. <laughs> So last but not least, what would be your advice to someone who wants to enter your field? My best advice would be you need a plan. You need a plan and you need to sort of, if you want to be a designer and you also want to run a business, so maybe you're, you know, you're creative, but you want to do the business as well and you need to start somewhere, make a plan be really passionate about what you love because passion is like 90% of it because it will get you through the hard bits, the good bits, you know, the scary bits. It will, it will be your driving force. And when the going gets tough, just remember that is a really important part. It's not pleasant, but it is, it is also the driving force, you know, and uh, it will, it will carve that way to success. So, Plan the work and work the plan. I've coined that phrase from a book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I recommend that read. It was written oh a long time ago and given to me uh, by my uh, business uh, mentor. And I have probably read it about a million times. Oh my God. No, that is my absolute favorite book. And I was actually going to, um, follow up on what you were saying is you got to have a burning desire, which is directly from you know, the first it chapter. Is. 
Yeah. So you got to have a burning desire to go. And this wasn't in the book because, you know, it was written in like the 30s, but have smart goals. Mm. So set specific goals, set a date. Um, I mean, I feel like those concepts were in the book, just, you know, not called smart goals. But um, yeah, have a specific goal in mind, set a date to it when you're going to achieve it, have actionable steps. So all go down to planning. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, that book is really, it was the original sort of. um, The secret. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's, it's helped though, because, you know, it's, it's such an unknown world trying to start a business and run a business and none of it's going to be perfect. Just, that's what's to get comfortable with that bit. But, you know, if you, if you really do plan it out and, you know, like you said, have smart goals, something achievable, you know, something with a date on it. Don't, don't make it so big that you can't reach the top of it. You know, you've got to look at it like stepping up the steps. Yeah. And you know, you're not going to reach the top of the hill in a day and you don't want to because it's not sustainable and it won't be as good. That foundation layer is in a way like the, it's the hardest bit. And I was so impatient, you know, because like I just get so like excited about things. I just want to go, go, go. But that foundation layer is just so important to get all of that right. And it, it's like needs a constant bit of adjusting. You know, you, you have to reevaluate that plan. I mean, I know like a monthly reevaluation of, of your plan is really key because things change, you know, opportunities come in that maybe you didn't know would come and you need to kind of think about how you're going to approach that opportunity so you can maximize it. So maybe you've got to adjust your plan a little to accommodate that and, you know, grab that opportunity. So it is all in the planning, definitely. And the passion. Yes. Passion and planning. It's a good one. I like that. And I just want to add, um, because I'm very, very passionate about goal setting. And you mentioned not, I mean, to um, set your goals, but not to make it too overwhelming to where you think, okay, how am I going to do this? So Mm -hmm. what I do is um, set my yearly goals. Then I break it down to quarterly goals. And then I break it down to monthly and just bite-sized goals so I feel like I'm actually achieving stuff on the way to my ultimate goal because it can be frustrating if you feel like you're not making any progress because you know you haven't done this huge thing whatever it is that you set out to do you haven't styled an A-list celebrity or you haven't you know done whatever that big goal might be for the person listening so just set smaller goals on your journey so. I totally agree. Do you know what? I do exactly the same thing. I've got the five years ahead and then right the way back to what's happening today. Yeah. So same, same as you. And it's got, you know, so it's got the month, the year, the month, the, the week, and then the day, you know, and, and it's not perfect though, is it? And it's not supposed to be because you should make some mistakes because you will never, you will never reach higher without them. You have to kind of get, get into that with yourself a little bit, right? To reach that. Yeah. And if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning and you're not growing. So yeah, I think it's something I've really learned over time to not beat myself up over because they're useful. They're not comfortable, but they're, they're important because you can better that and it's okay. Everybody does it. We're only human, I think, unless it could be a super hero. <laughs> Which yeah. we would like to think, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm aiming at it. Definitely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So 
Think and Grow Rich, you guys. Make sure you put that on your list. Amazing book if you're a business owner or just you know want to achieve anything in general. Definitely. It's a definite must for me, 100%. So um, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your valuable insights and advice and tips with us today. Oh, you're so welcome, Brittany. I'm so like, I'm so to be on your podcast and I'm just really happy to meet you. And um, I love that you've used my stuff in your styling because your style is amazing. Oh, thank you so, so much. And make sure you guys check out Justine's amazing designs on Instagram. I will be leaving a link in the episode description. And if you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe, leave a review, and be sure to tune into the next episode. So I will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>